3, would you stand with me? We're going to go ahead and read out of Psalm 73 the first, uh, the first 14 verses. It's a 28-verse uh, 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 psalm. We'll read half of it, the first 14 verses, and then we'll get into the teaching. And I'm reading out of the New King James Version of God's Word. This is a psalm of Asaph. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore, his people return here and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how, good, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. Father, we pray that you'll speak to our hearts as we look at this psalm together. Let our own hearts relate to the writer of this psalm, to Asaph, as he writes these words. Uh, and God, as we do, Lord, might you, by your spirit and through your word tonight, just minister to us, Lord. Thank you for, Lord, your word. Thank you for these psalms. Thank you, Lord, for... Uh, your spirit who's here to give us understanding, might he do so. Uh, open our hearts to understand and, and to comprehend these things. And Lord, give us the wisdom and, and, and Lord, the discerning hearts, Lord, uh, by which we can apply these truths to our lives. Thank you, Lord, for your love for us through Jesus Christ, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You guys may be seated. This psalm... Um, as we read in those 14, first 14 verses, we, we, we see the, the perspective from which this psalm is coming, and really it's, it's a complaint. Asaph is complaining to the Lord about why is it that rich people have no problems? But not so much rich people, but the wicked who are rich, the wicked who who uh, are uh, um, e even oppressing the, the, the poor, uh, oppressing the needy. It seems like they should be punished for that, but they, 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 life is easy for them. Th they've got things going okay for themselves. They're, they're doing well, you know, much better, than, much better than I'm doing, you know, that kind of a thing, right? And, and, and we can complain to the Lord about those kinds of things. And, and even... Even within the church today, um, there are plenty who can look at others within the church um, and just envy what you may see in another person and, 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 and the life that they have. You know, it just it can seem sometimes that there are other people that just have what appears to be like the perfect life, you know, uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to that as we, as we go through this. It, it's just something that we have to be very, very careful of. And one thing that I want to share with you as we get started with this is, is the idea that, well, what we see isn't always true especially 
when we're considering what we see in terms of another person's life and thinking, I wish I had that person's life, well, how do you know? Because we don't know everything about another person's life, unless that person is a very, very close friend. That's the only time that we really know what's going on with another person, because you're sharing with each other, of course, and, and you know each other very well. But you know, we can see other pe people in the church, and they just look like, you know, just a little family, just looks absolutely perfect, you know. Uh, and uh, it's probably not the case. But our own perception causes us to make that kind of a judgment. But as we look at this passage here in verses 1 through 14, we begin with a statement that God, or excuse me, uh, 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 that a statement that Asaph makes about God. But a little bit about Asaph. He was one of the worship leaders for King David. We see in First Chronicles uh, his name being mentioned as that. And he's the writer of this particular psalm. Uh, he also wrote Psalm 50. We, we looked at that uh, some time ago. And here in this uh, third book of Psalms, as I've shared with you, there are uh, five different books of Psalms, and this 73rd uh, uh, Psalm opens up the third book, the first Psalm of that third book. And these first 11 Psalms of the third book of Psalms, 73 through 83, all of them were written by Asaph. And so as we read these, these psalms written by the worship leader, one, one who leads the people in worship and praise, even as Nat's leading us tonight, you know, he's written a few songs as well, um, but um, written by him. And as he writes this, he begins with a statement about God's nature, a statement of truth about who God is. In verse 1, truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. He declares confidence in God's goodness to Israel. Um, there are things that in, in our lives that take place that we don't understand. Not only do we, even as I was opening up and sharing about looking at some other person or some other family or whatever, and it seems like they've got it going good, I wish my life was like that. But another thing that I did not mention is, is that we can be going through some very tough times, through some hard, hard things that, that take place, and, and just simply not understand why we're going through it. And it can seem at times that... Um, especially in, in, in view of what Asaph is, is, is writing about here, is not so much how there are other godly people who are being blessed, don't have a hard time with that, but there are wicked people who, are, who just seem to be blessed because they've got all this stuff. They've got the nice house. They've got the business going. You know, they, they, they've, got, they, they've got friends and... You know, I, I, I saw where they live on Life Cycles of the Rich and Famous. Remember that program? Why is it they never had a program called Lifestyles of the Poor and Needy? Nobody would want to watch it, probably. But, you know, it's like the ruler of this age the ruler of this world, is very good at show, showing us, highlighting for us certain elements of the world that tempt us, that, that really uh, um, appeal to us and, and, and tempt us to go after them, right? I mean, I think that's what that, that's all about. That, that's what that show was all about, that lifestyle of the rich and famous. I, I remember that Jeanette and I would watch that once in a while. And it's kind of like, well, that would be nice, <laughs> you know? Look at that home. 
how many bathrooms? 14 bathrooms? You know, I mean, whatever. You know, and, and it's like, just, just the craziness of it all. And it's like, it would be nice to be able to live that way. Um, you guys remember the, the, the play and the movie, uh, Fiddler on the Roof? Remember when Kevya was talking about that, that very thing? You know, I mean, he was just this uh, poor guy, really. He had, he had five daughters, and he's got a cow, and he milks the cow every day, and he goes through the village selling the milk and so forth. You know, that's basically how he would make his living and stuff. And you're just musing about those who had money, those who were rich, you know, and the song, If I Were a Rich Man, right? Uh, and he said, you know, they say that being rich is a curse. But I'd like to try that for a while. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. And, and, and that's how we are. We, we, we look at all the things that people, uh, the things that people may have that we don't, and it can bring envy to our hearts. And, and, and this is what's going on with, with, with Asaph. He's looking around and seeing how other, seeing what other people have, the prosperity. As we see here in verse three, verse three, I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. Now I know that God is good to Israel. He is good to such as have as uh, have a, a pure heart. I know that to be true, and so it's good that he's acknowledging that. He's acknowledging the reality of. of of God's goodness. But when we go through things that are hard, and then we kind of see that, you know, I'm really following after the Lord. I, I am really walking with Him. I'm serving Him. You know, I, I, I go to Bible studies. I'm studying the Word. I've got my de devotions. I'm leading my family in devotions. You know, and, and these other people who are just wicked and, and, and evil, they're, they're uh, oppressing the people, you know, they own these businesses and they oppress the people that work for them and whatever, all these things, it's like, and they've got all this stuff. Why? It doesn't seem fair. And, and we can start asking those kinds of questions. And, and then we see Asaph saying, but as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. Now, Almost, not quite, but almost. He was almost there at that place where he was stumbling over this thing. We're going to see as we read through the psalm what happens to prevent that. He said, my steps had nearly slipped because, or for, I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. As he understands and knows that God is good to Israel. And I always appreciated what Pastor Chuck Smith used to say. He would say this often. It's just the idea that whenever we are, we might be studying Scripture and we see something that we don't understand. It seems like it seems contradictory to what we, what we think ought to be the case as we, as we go through the Scriptures or or something's happening in our lives or, or the life of someone dear to us that it just doesn't seem right, doesn't seem fair. How could this happen? Whatever, I don't understand. Lord, are you, are you really good? But we've got to go back to the, to the place where we understand that, yes, he is indeed good. The Bible declares him to be good. There's none good but him alone, the Bible declares, really. And so because we believe the Bible to be true, we always have to come back to this, this, the thing where it's like, well, this doesn't feel good to me, but Lord, I know that that doesn't mean you're not good because the word of truth declares you to be good. I believe that. So that's not what this means. I mean, we always have to go to that place and go back to what the word of God has to say, not how we're feeling because of whatever's taking place. But... Asaph's not the only one who wrote scripture that feels this way. In Jeremiah chapter 12, verse 1, we see Jeremiah writing, 
Righteous are you, O Lord, when I plead with you. Yet, let me talk with you about your judgments. Just let's stop there for a moment. <laughs> Jeremiah is saying, let me talk with you about your judgments. I'm not real happy with what I'm seeing. I mean, he's basically saying that, right? Let me talk with you about your judgments. And then he asks some questions. He says, why does the way of the wicked prosper? Why are those happy who deal so treacherously? These are common issues, common problems that we have in viewing life. But the Proverbs warn against it. Proverbs 23, verse 17. Do not let your heart envy sinners, but be zealous for the fear of the Lord all the day. Rather than being envious, be zealous to fear God himself. Zealous in our walk with the Lord to fear him. Jesus kind of put it this way in Matthew 6.33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Now, of course, this is in that passage where he says, uh, don't worry about anything. You know, uh, God is going to take care of you. Uh, don't, don't be wondering where your next uh, meal is going to come from. Don't be wondering about what you're going to wear. God's going to provide for you. He's going to take care of you. Now, you may not live in a big mansion with 14 restrooms, but God will take care of you. That's basically what, 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 what Jesus is talking about. He's going to take care of you. He knows what you need. And, and I mean, anyway, who needs a house with 14 restrooms? I don't know any families that need a house with 14 restrooms. Eight restrooms, no. Six restrooms, no. Maybe three. But, you know, I mean, that's plenty. <laughs> you know what I mean? Anyway, but Jesus said, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added to you. David wrote in Psalm 34, verses 9 and 10, these words, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. There is no want... To those who fear him. The young lions lack and suffer hunger, but those who seek the Lord shall not lack any good thing. Now we see that David wrote something there in Psalm 34 that seems to contradict what Asaph is writing about here in the beginning of Psalm 73. But one of the things about the Psalms is that even with David in his psalms, he would begin with some kind of a issue, some kind of a complaint, you know, like what Asaph was saying here, similar to that. In fact, the, the 37th psalm is one which is very similar to this uh, in that way. David basically complaining about the way that the, the wicked prosper. But then in that same psalm, later in the psalm, verse 25 of Psalm 37, David writes this. He says, I have been young and now am old, yet I have not seen the righteous forsaken nor his descendants begging bread. You know, it's, it's okay to be honest with God about what you're feeling. Guys, we've got to allow him to direct us back to his truth. You know, because like I said, perspective, the perspective that we might have will paint for us a picture that can be a bit tweaked off of what reality is. You know, uh, because we basically, we don't always respond to truth. We, we respond to what we think is true, what we see, the perspective that we have. You know, and that, that, that's basically how we respond to life. But Asaph is saying, you know, when I saw the prosperity of the wicked, 
I became so envious. Almost caused me to stumble. Almost tripped me up. We will see what, what takes place a little bit later. But as I said, what we see may not necessarily be true. And I think we have to re- understand, too, the reality of the spiritual warfare that we're involved in as, as members of the church following after Jesus Christ and, and living in a culture that is materialistic. Um, you know, shows like that that we mentioned uh, about the, the rich and famous, th- those, are, those, those can be popular because we, wa- we all want to be able to live that way. You know, and um, it's something that we have to be very, very careful about. But certainly the enemy wants to tempt us to go for that and forsake our following after God, forsake our fearing God and make that a priority instead. That That would please him very, very much. Going on, verse 4. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. How does he know? You know what I mean? How does he know there's no pangs in their death? Because they've got a, a, a funeral that they spent $50,000 on or something? I mean, that doesn't mean there's no pangs in their death. You know, um, when Queen, when Queen Elizabeth died recently, I mean, there's a lot of pomp, pomp and circumstance o- over that, and and the the, the funeral service was was incredible. Um, but we don't know what her heart was like just before she died. We don't know what she was thinking. We don't know about regrets that she may have had. We we don't know. I mean, you know the the. the some members of the family are kind of in turmoil, and it's like, what's going on with that? I mean, what was she thinking about? I mean, you know, I mean, we, we don't know. Bottom line is this. Every soul basically is the same. We've got the same exact needs. And money doesn't do for us what our culture would want to teach us that it does. It's not going to satisfy your soul certainly isn't going to get you to heaven. It's not going to really bring you close friends. Because if you got money and people come around you to, to befriend you, you're always wondering why. They just want some money. They just want to go to some places that I normally go. You know, I mean, you know, I mean those kinds of things. So, but... Asaph couldn't know what was in their hearts when, 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 when they die. Going on, they are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. A question for us to ask would be this. What kind of... Um, when, when Asaph is writing this, What's he using as as a, as a guide stick? I mean, it's like, how, how, how is he relating this? How, how does he know this? So how is he uh, interpreting life? And and on what standard is he basing this? The, the not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Again, things that he sees may not be the truth, and he doesn't see things in which this may be true, but at the same time, we can look at life, and we can live our lives, and, and, and we can use the wrong standards by which to measure what's going on with our lives. If we don't use the Word of God, and we're using the world instead, we can have some problems. We'll misunderstand. We won't see things clearly. So we've got to be careful about that kind of thing. So he goes on and says, Therefore pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. 
They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens and their tongue walks through the earth. They do all these things and they're not suffering. They, they speak against God. They, they, they scoff at the oppression that they themselves are bringing to other people. Um, and they're not concerned about it, nor are they being disciplined or punished by God for it. It ain't right. You know, that, that, that's where he's coming from with all these things that he's speaking of. But he speaks about their, their, their pride and their violence. The violence covering them. You know, it's, it's something that they just, they just do. Violence and oppression. And we know that in the world that th that is something that happens. Those who have power will oppress those who don't. That's the way of the sinful heart. In order to gain something, they'll oppress those that they can in order to gain what they want to gain. That's the sinful heart of man. Verse 10. Therefore his people return here and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, look at this, they say, how does God know? And is there knowledge in the Most High? I, I mean, just with, with, with those questions, it's like, you know, he's not doing anything to me. I'm doing fine. I don't think he cares. Maybe he doesn't even know. Maybe he doesn't even see. You know, uh, uh, and th that's how the wicked can be, just ignoring the reality of God, or pretending that he doesn't exist, pretending that he doesn't watch, living life accordingly. And there are plenty who live this way who have no relationship with God at all or don't even believe that there is a God. And so those kinds of questions... You know, and it just brings to mind, you know, how, how some, some people you know, will just mock and, and scoff at what we might say about, about the Lord and the reality of, of judgment that will come and so forth. And then they'll stand there and just shake their fist in the air and let him strike me dead right now then kind of a thing, right? And he doesn't. So not, not thinking that he's just, God just simply being merciful to them by not doing it. Not acknowledging God at all and the reality of who he is. Um, verse 12, Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I've cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence for all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. I have just simply been wasting my time. What's the use? What's the use of trying to follow after God? What's the use of trying to obey his word? I mean, what's it, what's it getting me here? I see these evil, wicked people and the, the oppression and, and all, and th their, their life is, is great. Mine, I mean, I'm, I, I'm plagued every day, chastened every morning. I'm trying to follow after the Lord, and it's just not worth it. It's just not worth it. That's what he's saying. What's the use? What's the, it's just simply not fair. It's not fair. God help us when we get in that mindset. It's easy to go there if life's not going right. It's easy to begin to question God's goodness, to question his love, to question whether or not this book that we love so dearly really is true. You know, um, just to question it. And all of us, when we go through tough times, we've got to deal with the reality of that. You know, I, I've shared with you just things that I think at times with this thing that's going on with my wife, you know, I mean, 
One of the most horrible things, well, th- this is the hardest thing I've ever gone through. To watch my precious wife and watch this disease just take her. I mean, she's, I haven't had a, I haven't had a conversation with her in probably a year now. Haven't been able to talk with her. Because she, she can't express thoughts. I hear her voice. She says things. She'll repeat something that I say. The other day, I, I want to share this with you. Um, I'll do devotions with her every, every day. And um, I'm always trying to make it a point because something that I want, I want is for her to, to know how much I love her. So I'll, I'll tell her just about every single day that you know, she's the love of my life, my sweetheart, my sweet face. I'll call her sweet face and baby doll and different. I say all the names, honey, whatever I would, I, I would say that to her, you know, and uh, you're, you're my always and forever. You know, we, we would sign, I would sign my cards like that, always and forever, and that I would give to her what's her birthday or, 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 or whatever. And, you know, um, I just want her to know that. And I especially want her to know that God loves her. And I want her to feel safe in that love. Because, you know, with, with the dementia thing, I mean, it can bring a lot of confusion and fear. It can bring that. I want her to be, I want her to be safe. So I'll talk about that. I just, I just speak about how the Lord is, is, is with us, you know, and how much he loves how much he loves uh, her, you know, and it's, it's been probably three or four weeks ago now that, that this took place, you know, I was saying how much Jesus loves her, and I said, he's with us right now, he's with us right now in this room, and she kind of sat up, and she said, he is, and, and she started looking around for him, said, he, he is, he's here, you can't see him right now, baby, but he's here, he's here with us, you know. It's like, like a little child, like a little child. It's so precious, it's so precious. A few days ago, this was last week, sharing the same kind of thing, and, and, and the Lord just kind of led me to just sing with her, sing, um, Jesus loves me, this I know. You know, when I got to the last, the last words, you know, uh, yes, Jesus loves me. As I sang that, and I said, me, she, she was saying, me. She, she, was, she was trying to sing along with me, you know, but she would say the word me, you know, and I thought, I mean, just how precious that is. It was so unreal, though, guys, how this has taken her so quickly, so quickly. That, that's her now. In a matter of just a little over two years. And, you know, I'll ask God, Lord, I know that there are literally thousands and thousands of people praying for my honey. I know that. Why aren't you answering that prayer to heal her? Then I step back. I, I know, Lord, I know that your ways are higher than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. You're sovereign. You are good. You know all things. and You want the best for us. I don't understand how this is best, but I'm not you. I accept it. You know, and I'm constantly doing that kind of thing, constantly, constantly. That's what we have to do. That's what we have to do. But none of it means that God isn't good. It just simply means that in this world, in this broken world, there's just a lot of sickness and disease. You know, and I, I think I've shared this with you guys, just the whole, when, whenever any of us go through anything, whether, whether it's just a small thing or just a really heavy thing, it's just another indication to us of the devastation of sin in this world. That's what that is. That's what that is. I do want to share with you, though, too, like uh, those two things that I just shared with you. You know, there. I, I, I get my moments with her when I know that she's 
uh, focused on me. She, I know that she knows who I am. You know, we, we can sit and she'll grab my hand to hold it, you know, with, 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 uh, in, in her own hand and all. Um, and, and that and her right arm is so stiff. You know, I've told you about the muscle stiffness that she has and so forth, but she'll grab it and it, it just, it's hard for her to do it, but she'll do it. You know, and uh, she knows, who, she understands who I am. She does. Uh, we appreciate your prayers so much for, for what's going on. But, you know, I mean, that's just one example. That's my story right now. And you guys have your own. You know, and maybe it's not so bad now. Maybe there are, there are things that are pretty tough right now. But, you know, I mean, we, we live in a world where this happens. But, you know, Jesus said in John 16, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have peace. In the world, you'll have tribulation. You will have trouble. Jesus told me that this would happen. Not this specifically, but I would have trouble. Right? telling you the same thing. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have what? Overcome the world. So I have my, I have my visions in my mind of that hope. I know that, that my honey is going to get a brand new body someday. I'm going to get one too. And I just picture she and I together holding hands in heaven before the Lord, worshiping Him and praising Him together, serving Him together in heaven, you know, in His kingdom. That's where we're headed. And I'll tell you what, I, I, um, this thing has given me a greater longing for heaven. Just seeing the ugliness of this world does that. Greater longing for heaven. Well, let's get back to, to Psalm 73 here. Verse 15. If I had said, I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generations of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then... I understood their end. Asaph is saying, you know, if I, if I talk about all this, if I speak this way, you know, it, it, it would be untrue to your children, to the generation of your children. The things that you have expressed to them and the truth of your word, it would be untrue to that because what I'm thinking right now isn't right. He's kind of confessing to that and perhaps even embarrassed about even thinking this way. I mean, how could I think these things when I know what you say in your word about who you are? I mean, that's a great thought. I mean, how could I even begin to think that you're not good, God? You know, I mean, one of the things that I think in, in, in going through this thing with my honey, it, it's things that, things that we understand. Uh, Job said to his wife, he said, are we, are, are we supposed to accept the good things from God and not the bad? Right? When he had lost his business, his ten children, um, so much, you know, I mean, it's like, is that what we're supposed to be thinking? I mean, just not accept the bad? And, and, and you know, as hard as this is, I've had over 50 years with this woman. A good 50 years with her. I'm so thankful for that. So thankful. And so, it's my turn to take care of her. It's my turn to take care of her. But Asaph says, if I talk this way, it would simply would not be true to your people. And when I thought how to understand it, 
how I could all put, put this together, see this happening, it doesn't make sense to me, it was too painful for me, I, I'm seeing these people not being punished for their wickedness, and it, until I went into the sanctuary of God, then I understood there, and this is such an important, important verse, guys. The sanctuary of God, this place of worship, and, and where you guys are right now, I mean, this place of worship, this place of truth, this place of equity, in the sense that, I mean, when I say equity, I kind of want to back away from that for a minute, because our lives as Christians, it's, it's not based on fairness and equity. It's based on grace, isn't it? It's based on grace. None of us earn God's blessings. None of us earn, deserve eternal life. It's a gracious act of God to give it to us, right? But we do tend to think that in this world there could be some equity and yet we receive God's grace all the time living in this world but you know we can have we can struggle to understand something that's going on that we just can't wrap our minds around then we go to that place of worship. We, we bow before God. We commune with Him. We read His Word. We're encouraged by fellow believers. We, we sing worship songs that bless our heart. And it's like, all of it just kind of opens up and we begin to see truth. We begin to understand, really, what's going on. I went into the sanctuary. Until I went into the sanctuary, began to worship, then I understood their end. Just simply reminded of the reality that there's an eternity. And those who don't seek after God, those who don't follow after Him, and in the context of the church today and what Christ has done for us, those of us who've not, any of us who've not received the grace of God and received that, that life from above, being born again, we're not going to see it. Understanding truth. And it's like, at, at that point, we, we just see the truth, and, and here ASF is saying, okay, I went into worship, the Lord straightened me, out, straightened me out and gave me a dose of truth that I needed to have so I can have the right perspective. God's perspective. Not mine, not the way I see things, but God's perspective. You know, and um, we go through tough times and we'll ask God those questions. But you know, regardless of what we're going through, whether we're going through good times or bad, you know what? Romans 8.28 is always true. All things work together for good for those who love God and are the called according to His purpose. It's always true. Right? It's always true. So I'm looking forward to how God turns this into something good. I can see glimpses of it. But... I trust my Lord. I trust Him. Doesn't make it easy. Doesn't make it easy. But I'm okay. I've got a peace in my heart because the Prince of Peace is there and I know that He's with us. It would seem that as in the way that Asaph is writing this, that this whole aspect of going into the sanctuary, going into that place 
of worship. That solved his dilemma. Back in 1 Samuel chapter 1, we see the story of Hannah, who was, of course, the mother of Samuel, had a husband named Elkanah, who had another wife, who God had blessed with children. Hannah's womb had been closed by God. And in that culture, of course, it's very important for a woman to give to her husband an heir, a, a little boy in particular, especially. And she couldn't do that. She couldn't do the most basic of what would be a blessing to her husband. And she was depressed. She was upset about it, depressed. You know, and, and I mean, she wouldn't eat. Elkanah said to her, uh, Hannah, don't you see that having me and having my love, I mean, he would give her a double, double portion of things rather than the, the, his other wife, that he would give her something and, and the kids and something, but she would, he would give her a double portion because he loved her so much. Don't you see that I'm worth more than, 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 than ten sons? I just imagine Hannah saying, no, not really. <laughs> you know, I don't see that at all. But this is what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 9. Hannah arose after they had finished eating, so she prepared something for him to eat and so forth. They finished eating and drinking there in Shiloh. And Eli, the priest, was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Hannah goes to the tabernacle. She sees the priest sitting there, Eli. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. From the following verses, we, we know that, that the priest, Eli, looked at her thinking that she must be drunk because she's acting like she's talking and she's not, whatever. And, and she said, no, I'm not drunk. And she explains to him what's going on and what she had vowed. She had vowed to the Lord that, Lord, if you bless me with a son, I'll give him to you. I'll give him to you. And then verse 17, Eli said, go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him. And she said, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. You know, and I th I've experienced this, and I'm sure you guys have all experienced this too. You know, just Sunday morning... You don't really feel like going to church. You don't want to go to church. It's like you're, you're tired. It's been a tough week. Things aren't going right. <sighs> you're just feeling like, I should go. Isn't it true that every time that happens, you're glad? You're glad you came? You know, we, 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 we come to worship Him. We have this encounter with Him like Hannah did, you know, in the person of the priest who, who blessed her and said, Lord, grant you your petition. And, of course, we know that that would come true. About a year later, she had this baby boy named Samuel, and she gave him to Eli to raise in the, the tabernacle to serve God. But as she left from there, she had had this encounter with God, and and she was better. She felt better. You know, there's, there's nothing like being in the presence of God, right? In His presence is the fullness of what? Joy, the psalmist writes. In His presence is the fullness of joy. So as we experience Him, that, that's what happens, guys. That's what happens. And so, yeah. I mean, you know, Worshiping the Lord isn't going to remove your, your, your problems. Worshiping the Lord gives you a new perspective and get, gets our eyes off of ourselves, off of our problems, off of our circumstances, and back onto Him where the, our eyes need to be. And then we can 
walk by faith rather than walking by sight, right? That's what we want to do. Well, let's go ahead and read the rest of this psalm. Verse 18. Surely you set them in slippery places. Now he's saying, I understood their end, and he begins to talk about that. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation. As in a moment, they are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream, when one awakes, so, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Now, he's not, he's not telling the Lord that he's sleeping on the job. <laughs> it almost seemed that way. But the idea of him, when you awake, when, when you act, that's the idea. When you act toward them, when you give them what is their due, then this is going to be taking place. You shall despise their image. Um, surely you set them in slippery places, you cast them down to destruction. Asaph describes the fate of the ungodly, and he d does so with a sense of uh, reverence and awe. Um, in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 9 and 10, Paul writes something about people like this. He says, but those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Similar to what we see in verses uh, 18 to 20 here in the 73rd Psalm. It's just the trouble that comes upon those who are greedy. And Paul even says some have even left the faith, left, left the church in order to pursue money in their greediness. And in doing so, they have pierced themselves through with many sorrows. But let me ask you a question. The Powerball. This week, yesterday, was it yesterday the drawing was held? Two billion dollars. Now, I, I don't do that. I don't buy the, the lottery tickets and stuff like that. But I'll tell you what, when it gets to that kind of number, I'm tempted. But then, then I don't because... I'm afraid I might win. You know, pastor wins Powerball lottery, you know, and it's like, no, I don't want to be that guy. You know, and it, I mean, you know, by the, if you, I, I, the way I, I, re I read about this, I just that, that it was like $2.08 billion, and if they just took the money now rather than in payments, you know, it was going to be like somewhere... I mean, $996 million only, and I just, psh, nah. No, but anyway, <laughs> you know, and it's like almost a billion dollars cash. It's like, my goodness. See, what could I do with a billion dollars? I don't know. She would make a nice tithe to the church. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so, yeah, it's just crazy. But it's, of course, I, I, did, I didn't do that. But somebody, somebody won that money. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. But we've, we've heard stories, though, haven't we, about people who win the lottery and what happens to their lives. I mean, their life becomes miserable because they have, I mean, hundreds of millions of dollars. You know, it's just crazy. It's crazy what, what takes place in this world and people around us and people who we thought loved us, you know. Let's remember something, guys. You know, when we see those who are wicked prosper, and we, and we see it in our world, we see it. Um, in the last couple of years with the COVID thing, and 
you know, different things that are being said about, against, uh, about different people and what they're trying to do. And we, 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 we've read things about some people are wanting to somehow uh, con control the, the world's population and things like that you read. And it's like, somebody, and I don't know about that, but then I, and then I think, would people do something like that in order to gain? I said, well, the, the heart of man is desperately wicked and deceitful above all things. So I think that it could be true, you know. Do I think it is? I don't know. Presidents and, and, and governors just, you know, becoming, I mean, we, we had... Uh, New name for our governor. We started calling him King. You know, be because of the edicts that he was passing, and w without going through the proper channels and so forth. You know, I mean, those kinds of things. Um, yeah, those who are wicked, but who have some sense, of, a, a gain of some kind. They're rich. They've got power. They've got. They've got. The wealth they've got, the, the the positions in life and so forth. Um, these are people who desire the things of the world that the world will give. Those kinds of things: power, and 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 money, and fame, and position, and and, and things of that nature. And so they they live their lives according to the rules of the world and the ways of the world in order to gain the things that the world offers them. Those, kind of those kinds of things. Some of them have even sold their souls to the devil, right? Maybe sometimes people do that without even knowing that's what they're doing. But they're sold a bill of goods. Because at best... At best, the quote-unquote good things that come are only temporary. At best, it's only temporary. Um, and we've got to remember that. We've got a greater prize before us, don't we? Even greater than $2 billion? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have something that our Lord Jesus has given to us for free that no amount of money can buy. You know, when whoever wins this, whoever won this Powerball, when that person is facing Jesus Christ, Jesus isn't going to say, uh, so how much money do you have? I'll let you in if you give me enough. He's not going to say that. It's because why should I let you in here? What'd you do about me? What'd you do with me? You realize I died for your sins. Did you acknowledge that? Oh no, I was too busy chasing after money. Well, depart from me. I never knew you. And that person will go to an eternity apart from God. You know, um, I understood their end, verse 17. That's what Asaph was saying. Verse 21, thus my heart was grieved, and I was vexed in my mind. After he came to just understand the truth, and then he speaks about the end of those who, those, those wicked uh, man, my heart was grieved. I was vexed in my mind. I was so foolish and ignorant. I was like a beast before you. Like a beast in the sense of having no sense. No wisdom, no understanding, no, no, no intellect. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. You know, as Asaph admits his foolishness, he says that 
I'm always with you, and you hold me by your right, your right hand. Psalm 119, 117 says this, Hold me up and I shall be safe, and I shall observe your statutes continually. And Asaph also says there in verse 24, you'll guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Makes us think about a man. Well, Enoch, in, in Genesis 5.24 of Enoch, it says that Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. That's exactly what happened with Enoch. His walk was so pure with the Lord that he just plucked him from the earth to be with him. You know, how cool would that have been? But you know what? We might go through something like that very soon, the rapture. You know, um, because of the grace of God toward us. And he's just going to pluck us from the earth, going to join him in the air, and to be with him forevermore. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Verse 25, Whom have I in heaven but you? And there's none, among, uh, none, none upon earth that I desire beside you, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. That 26th verse, my portion forever. In Revelation 21, verses 3 and 4, these are some familiar words. Listen to this, though. John is writing, of course, it's at the end of the book of Revelation, he said, I, I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. That's what we have to look forward to, guys. That's what we have to look forward to. And he will be our God. He will be our portion forever, our inheritance forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. King David wrote in Psalm 66, verse 16, Come and hear all you who fear God, and I will declare what he has done for my soul. Declaring what he's done for my soul. In uh, the book of Luke, the 8th chapter, there was a man in Gadara, the Gadarenes, Gadarene man who was possessed by a legion of demons. You remember that story? Well, Jesus cast those demons out of him and into a herd of swine, and they ran off of the cliff and into the, in, into the sea there. And uh, he was right. Demons were gone. In verse 38 of chapter 8, we see this, verse 38 and 39. Now the man from whom the demons had departed begged him that he might be with him. But Jesus sent him away, saying, Return to your own house and tell what great things God has done for you. And he went his way and proclaimed throughout the whole city, what great things Jesus had done for him. And you know, guys, as we consider, even though we've got these things, I mean, we, we relate to, to what Asaph was writing here and the difficulties that we can go through, looking at life around us, people who don't seem to ever have any problems and they're not necessarily good people, you know, what, I mean, those kinds of things, what, whatever, but... God has done things for us. He's blessed us incredibly. You know, are we about the business of sharing with other people what he's done? Who he is, 
and what he's done for us. Might we give testimony to his wonders, the wonderful works of God, sharing with people what he's done. You know, I shared it with you on Thanksgiving Day. We're going to be meeting here and, and having a service, and we're going to be able to do that, just share what God's done for us and how thankful we are for, for what he's done. You know, and I, I pray that you guys are able to make it. But, you know, are we in our homes? Are we talking to our, our brothers, our sisters, our parents, our friends, our workmates about what God has done for us? Are we doing that? Even as Jesus told this man, out of whom he cast that legion of demons, you know, please let me be with you. I just want to be with you. I'll, I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll serve you. What a, no, go home. Go home and tell your family what God has done for you. That's what he wants us to do. And Father, help us to do so. Might our hearts be such that we want to share your goodness with others and, and, and tell them about the way that you've expressed your goodness toward us, given us life and given us peace, given us hope, filled our hearts with joy, the way that you love us, Lord. God, help us, God, we pray. And Lord, might we, as we share your goodness with others, might we live that goodness as well because you're within us, Lord. Fill us with your spirit and might your fruit be made manifest in our lives that others may taste and see that, Lord, you are good. And so, Lord, have your way with us. We thank you for your mercies. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the blessings that we have received. Thank you for the gift of life. And God, we praise you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.